Hello and welcome to another episode of Sporting for His Glory. And today, as always, I'm so excited because we have another amazing guest with us today. We have Warren Evans. And Warren Evans became CEO of Sports Chaplaincy UK in 2015 and gained a Master's in Sports Chaplaincy and Pastoral Care in 2016. Warren is also the chairperson of the board at the Global Sports Chaplaincy Association and was previously chaplain for the Bradford Bulls and was pastoral director to the Rugby Football League. So thank you so much, Warren for being with us today well thank you for having me and I didn't realize I had a big long list of things so that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah I always make sure I do my research <laughs> beforehand so yeah definitely appreciate uh, you being here and I'm so excited to find out more about sports chaplaincy and for uh, for our listeners to you know find out a lot more about it awesome great so as always before we start we start with a prayer great Thank you, Lord, for this moment again. Thank you for another amazing opportunity to talk about you, to talk about sport, for you to be glorified in this conversation. I thank you, Lord, for the work of Sports Chaplaincy UK, for Warren Evans and all the stuff that's going on, you know, there and, and globally, Lord, how there's Christians um, having influence in the sports world and, and just sharing your love to athletes and those, you know, in the sports um, spheres. Lord, I also just pray for our listeners. I pray that they'll be encouraged and empowered and I'll just you know know your presence Lord as we speak Lord and I do pray Holy Spirit that you'll just speak through us and I just pray that it'll be a really empowering conversation in Jesus name amen amen fabulous so my first question is uh, you know tell us about your sporting background what kind of sports do you enjoy what sports have you participated in Oh, well, nothing at your high caliber, but uh, I, I'm one of four brothers. So we played everything when we were younger. So we played football, rugby, cricket, everything. But the, the the primary sports, I guess I was a goalkeeper when I was uh, up to a sensible age and then played rugby league. Uh, but because my dad was a, or I was a PK, so my dad was a pastor, rugby league played on a Sunday, so it wasn't always possible. But the last sports I did, I did a lot of weights, but did uh, squash to a reasonable level and boxing. So those were my final sports that I uh, participated or tried to. Yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah, lots of different sports there. That's quite cool. Ah, oh, wonderful. And when did you become a Christian? Tell us a bit about your faith background. Great. Yeah. Well, as as I've said, my father was a pastor. Yeah. So I actually, it always seems strange when you gave your life to the Lord at a young age, but I remember sitting on my dad's knee at the age of five Easter and he asked me if Jesus was my Lord and Savior. And that's when I gave, I started my journey in that sense. Because I think when you give your life to the Lord at five, you always go and recommit and, and go through that. But I think part of my journey was uh, navigating that, navigating that people thought you want to do ministry or do good things because of your parents. And you go through that that dilemma in that sense of frustration that people are judging you by other people rather than judging you what God's spoken into your life. So I guess as a teenager, I, my testament would be I worked hard and played hard. I, I didn't uh, run away from God, but I certainly didn't pursue him to the level I knew I should do. But I remember probably in my early 20s, God just saying, it was like uh, the only analogy I can give it, it's not a great analogy, but you know those dog leads that extend Mm, yeah. And so uh, it felt like the, not that I was a dog and not that, but mm -hmm. it felt like God had just said, hey, the, the dog lead had extended, the grace had extended, not that his grace would run out, but I just felt God saying, right, enough's enough now. You've got a choice. Choose me or choose the world. And it was as simple as that. And, and not that I'd ever run away from God. I hadn't. But part of my journey was 
from that moment on pursuing God. And and I've been a youth pastor, done all that stuff. But I, it was that that moment in life where I was working hard, playing hard, and God just said, "But who 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 are you now pursuing?" And so I guess in my early twenties, as we always journey through through life, you, you're constantly recommitting, and you're being challenged, and you're being stretched. But I guess from my early twenties, I made that commitment that I was going to pursue God for the rest of my life. But not just pursuing; I mean, really pursuing uh, in everything that I did. And 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 so that's a little bit. And then obviously we. We go through life, and that life throws you curveballs. But that's that's for me was, I, I think the challenge is when when you've got Christian parents, people say you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Certainly at a young age, you're doing it because they you're copying your parents. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I can say about my parents, my, my they they were godly people and they walked the talk. So I didn't have any excuses. I didn't have a poor example. I didn't have that they said it on Sunday and didn't live it twenty four seven. They they walked the talk. They lived. Uh, we they worked on a council estate. They served in a very deprived area, and they they loved people and and were gracious and were hands and feet of Jesus. So I could never deny the reality of good in our home, and I guess that never leaves you. And, and then all of a sudden, you've got to make those strong decisions, whatever it is. You, you make it all the time, sixteen, eighteen, twenty. But for me, it was definitely probably had all that right up to about twenty two, twenty three. But then at twenty three, it was definitely a very clear, succinct. Uh, who are you pursuing? And 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 I've pursued God ever since. Not that I wasn't, God wasn't in my life, but I mean, that was it. Yeah, yeah, that is really important. It's true because I guess I, I've got a similar guess, background in terms of being brought up in the church, and and it is true that you know you get to that point where it's your own like faith because yeah, you can't just feed off of yeah, like I guess the faith of your parents or you know those around you. So yeah, I guess it's like I've heard that and a couple of people I've spoken to have said a similar thing, you know, about having that moment, you know, for themselves. So. Yeah, and I think from from my perspective, it wasn't that I didn't know God or have my own relationship with God at a younger age. It's I was disappointed when I said to people, I think around 16, I really want to go into ministry real and I felt so dejected and rejected by people saying you're just copying your parents and really felt mm. belittled. And back then, I probably didn't have the – you didn't process things. You weren't aware of things of how you internally like, processed it. So you weren't rejecting God, but you certainly felt rejected uh, internally. And that's probably what directed some of those paths of play hard, work hard. But, yeah, definitely at 22, 23, it was – the the clarity of pursuing God was, was certainly there. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. And um, when did you become a sports chaplain, and why did you get involved in sports chaplaincy? Yeah, I got involved in sports chaplaincy because I was asked. I I had uh, been in business and we'd been we we lived in the north of England, travelled down south. My wife went to Bible college and we were actually thinking of going to America. And we ended up coming back to Bradford because another friend of mine had just taken on a church and said I need help. And we said, right, we'll be about for a few months. We'll come and help you. And then from that, I was asked to look at another church site we ended up taking on a church on on a small council estate which was near the club i served which was the bradford bulls and a friend of mine came up to me who was the chaplain of the bradford bulls and said uh, what and i'm leaving and god's told me you're the next chaplain to the bradford bulls and i went that's great god better tell me and we went on Mm -hmm. this journey and it was a real sink of my personality actually sometimes when you're working in church it's it's a it's it's an honor but also very frustrating and sometimes you know you're the pastor because there's an outline from the bullets and being shot at you in that sense so but working at the Bradford Bulls was really that journey of just hearing a friend saying I really believe God's called you and then 
and going through that process over over probably a three month period of testing the waters, praying about it, and and then I was privileged to go into chaplaincy and and join what was then SCORE, but now changed its name or to Sports Chaplaincy UK, and that was in two thousand back in the two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. and uh, in two thousand and twelve is when I then went more or less full time for sports chaplaincy but that was all a step of faith stepping out of the church and there's a whole journey in that because some of that was quite a painful journey but but I think in journey with people and certainly in sport we were privileged crisis always brings opportunity it sounds awful that it, you, mm-hmm. you'd love to journey when everything's high but people generally don't have time for you when they're high and the club that we were serving went bankrupt and the staff and the players were all in in limbo and I had the opportunity just to serve them and and I also knew what they were going through because I wasn't getting paid at the time. So they couldn't turn around to me and say, you're all right, you're getting, I'm not all right, I'm not getting paid and I'm coming to help you. So we went through this long journey of supporting players and staff and, and just loving on people. And that's where that then gave credibility for what we did. Or certainly what I did in Bradford helped me then. Uh, there was also chaplains in, in rugby league already, but helped me then develop that and gain credibility to open other doors where clubs said we want that yeah oh great and also for those who don't know tell us what sports chaplaincy is and what it isn't as well I was going to say that so (laughs) people always have these preconceived ideas even even for me as a chaplain and and you know what is a chaplain an old man in a gray suit and a dog collar what is sport it's an activity so if you don't like sport and you don't like old people then chaplaincy is not free and it's not that sport as I always say is an activity you know we love sport it impacts our physiology it impacts our emotions it impacts it, it gives us some great tools it gives us great discipline but but sport is more than an activity and I was this is what I look at sport is a community of people so when I look at sport I look at 30 million people engage in sport every week from the elite athlete like yourself right down to your kid going to his football club or swimming club or going to your, your parent going to the gym so that's what I see as the community of sport and then for chaplain when you look at the root word the root word of chaplain is simply an expression of love and compassion it was it was a a, a soldier sharing his cloak with a beggar in the middle of winter. So for me, what a sports chaplain is, is someone who's simply an expression of God's love and compassion to the community of sport. And so for us as Sports Chaplains UK, like every organisation, we've got dreams and visions and missions, but we have a dream statement. And so everything's driven from the dream statement, which is is to see an expression of God's love and compassion in every community called sport. And our responsibility to the local church and to people in that sphere is to train, equip, resource and help place and, and really just, yeah, set the local church up for success to serve that community and so we do other things around that so chaplains will get trained chaplains will share good working practice and and there's loads of great stuff around that but that's us as an organization is simply there to serve everybody and we don't we love christians obviously because we're christian organization but we're there for everybody people of faith and no faith people on a journey people who want to reject you and it's an immense privilege yeah yeah, it's really great. And like what you're saying about community, it's a bit about serving the sports community and, and also, yeah, going out, isn't it, from the church, but going out into those communities, which, yeah, it's really It's great. the Great Commission. And and mm-hmm. so often we say, come to us, and yet the paradigm shift, and, and, and it's changed through COVID, but the paradigm shift is we play church on Sunday, you play sport on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we take yeah. the, the two teams are playing each other that are in competition, and I've had to take the church – we are not in competition with sport. It's the largest untapped mm-hmm. mission field. 
we need to go. That's the Great Commission to go, and the Great Commandment is to love. So we need to go, and we need to love. And when we impact that community sport, you will have impacted people because you carry the, you know, the the personality. You're carrying the presence, the incarnation presence of God with you. When we do that with an intentionality, there is a ripple effect that people can't deny. So I always use two stats when. It, it's easy with football because football being the, the largest sport in the UK. When a football club wins, like Leicester, the economy goes up, it, people, the city changes, but pregnancy rates go up because everyone's happy and things happen. But also, the, the conversely, if, if a club loses, the opposite happens, like domestic violence goes up. But sport, as a, it's innate, but it impacts us. But if we as Christians can go and impact the community sport in a positive way, and not say we impact it, then there will be a massive ripple effect. Because I just think sport, you know, I'm, I'm involved, yes, in sports chaplains, but I'm also chair of the Bradford Bulls Foundation because it helps mm-hmm. equip and give values and discipline and, and just share with people the power of sport uh, in a positive way. So I, I see it from loads of, you know, even some of the challenges I'm just about to do a, a, a mental health, what some of the challenges that address some of the challenges that we've been through, mental health, isolation, mm-hmm. sport does all that. And I'm not saying it's the answer, but it, you can't reject the answer. It's about engaging that community in a positive way. So I, I you know, I love sport. Uh, that's why I play it. I used to play a lot of it. I, I never used to like watching it. I used to like engaging with it. But it's it's more about people. It's more about what it makes you feel. It's more about journeying with people. Yeah, love that so much. Thank you. And like you said, sports chaplaincy isn't just for Christians. So how does a chaplain serve sensitively and discerningly in the secular sports world? That's great. So obviously we're one of the, there there are a number of entities across the globe like ourselves, but actually we're probably the largest single entity uh, in the globe. And we one of our challenges has been that we have really good relationships with governing bodies. So we do have good good uh, relationships with those who operate in football and rugby and cricket and horse racing and all the other sports, uh, athletics. Uh, it's usually ch- more challenging when it's individual uh, yeah. athletics because it's one person. It's easier to, as a chaplain, serves a team in that sense. But a chaplain, we, we have five values as chaplaincy for sports chaplains. So we, it's called Perch. So presence, excellence, relationship, confidentiality and humility. And you cannot be a chaplain if you're not present. So I've heard people say, I'm a chaplain to this. And they turn up to a Christmas meal and say, Grace, well, that's not a chaplain. That's a freeloader. So for me, you cannot you cannot be a chaplain if you're not present. You've got to be present. It's about being consistent. It's about praying for that community. It's about people seeing you bleed for them. It's about being a safe port of call and non-judgmental, listening to people. And then I do believe we serve a God of excellence. I'm not saying we're excellent at everything, but we should be always striving. You, as an athlete, always striving to better yourself, always pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. I believe we should do that as Christians in a healthy sense, as chaplains. We should be upskilling ourselves, doing safeguarding, mental health awareness, drug addiction awareness. So when we have issues, we can help people or at least signpost them to really effective support mechanisms. And then, obviously, it's all about relationship, and that's about building trust, about being that incarnational presence and not responding by what we see, but really being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I don't think you can be a really you – can, you can be a good person, but I don't think you can be a good chaplain without being full of the Holy Spirit. You can't be, because mm-hmm. I will see you and make – without without knowing you, I'll make judgment calls. But when I'm with you and, and the Holy Spirit saying, you need to say that, or you need to not say that, I wouldn't know that. Only, only the Holy Spirit can – the Holy Spirit knows if you've got an issue with – drink or if i said to a rugby player let's have, let's have a chat and i say let's have a drink he might think i'm judging him if i say let's go for a coffee and not for a pint mm. 
But if he's got an issue with drinking, he might want to go for a coffee. But I don't know that. I've got to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit about how you address people, how you engage with people. So that's relationship. And then confidentiality, I think, so key in sport. You know, I've heard chaplains in other spheres go and share Oh, I met this person and I prayed with that person. They told everyone the name. And because they're not in sport, nobody knows them. You can't do that in sport because, yeah. you know, especially in elite sport, people are trying to put two and two together and guess who you've been with. And so our challenge is sports chaplains. I've heard more great stories over this last year than I've heard in the last 10. I mean, people being prayed for, people starting a journey, people going, you know, being healed, people doing Bible studies but you won't hear us share that because sports communities will shut their doors because they think, well, you're only just trying to proselytize. No, we love you. And if you want to go on a spiritual journey with us, we'll, we want to go on that spiritual journey with you, <laughs> but we've got to do it in a genuine, integrous way. So for me, confidentiality is so key. You can't use people's testimonies as tilt-tattle, as, as to elevate you. So I'm a big one that generally I, I I would say chaplains don't even have your photographs taken with athletes mm. because it's not about you increasing your social. Now an athlete might come up and take a photograph and I sometimes have to do it, but it's not about me going to a club and having my photograph taken with someone and then putting on my Twitter, look, I've been with this person. So I must be important. It's about mm. serving that because we, we, you know, when, when Jesus saw the crowd and this is when I talk about compassion, I, we, we support a number of children across the globe. But we do that because my son, my oldest son now, our oldest son, he's 22, but when he was a baby, or three or four, he'd see the water aid adverts, see the Christian aid adverts, and he'd see a child with a swollen belly and flies, and he'd cry because in his little head he couldn't comprehend. I'm sat here in a warm place, fed. Why has that child not got the same as me? And he's, he would be moved with compassion even at the age of three, four, five. You see, scripture says when Jesus saw the crowd, he was compelled. He was moved with compassion. Compassion compels you to do something different. But so often the church, we look at the community sport no different to anyone else. And I believe the church is called to be culturally different. So if we're looking at a community no different to anyone else, are we any different? But when we look at a community through the eyes of a compassionate God, we see something different. Instead of saying, oh, they're fit, healthy, and wealthy, we start seeing the pain, the hurt, the challenges that they're going through. You know, I've challenged church leaders to say, you know, if a doctor comes up to her on Sunday and says, I won't be there next Sunday because I'm working. I said, you, I bet you pat him on the back and say, God bless you. But if an athlete does it, are you going to do the same? I said, but the doctor will be doing it for the rest of his career for the next 20, 30, 40 years. An athlete won't. An athlete, if it's a long career, it's 10, 15 years. Most of it's quite short. I said, so rather than rejecting someone because you think they should be where you are, maybe you should be intentionally saying, how can we support you in your journey? and not stick you on a platform and use you if you're a successful athlete. Not that people don't, as Christians, want to use that platform in a positive way. But so often, I think we use it and abuse it, and it really annoys me. I think we're there to disciple people. I think we're there to encourage people. And it's not about setting people up for failures, but it's about walking that journey when they go through the highs and the lows and, and just life. So that, for me, that's confidentiality. And then ultimately, it's humility. Yeah. One of our core values is humble, being humble. Christ was humble. And and at times it's humiliating being a chaplain because you will go, you will serve, you're used to being a leader, and sometimes people will just reject you and ignore you, and it can be quite humiliating. And but that's okay because it's it really illustrates have I got an issue in my heart? Uh, you know, who am I doing this for? Yeah. And you know, when we all take rejection, we all respond to it in different ways. 
But then God will give you something where someone will come up to you and just say, you've changed my day or you, you've spoken life into me. And it's about being that intentionality. So for me, it's always about encouraging people to be the hands and feet of Jesus, always encouraging people to speak hope and life. It's always encouraging people to see through God's eyes. It's always being that safe port of call and sometimes not even saying anything, but not judging them, just listening and, and being there for people. So there's loads of things we do in a practical way. But I guess for me, that's sort of what a chaplain is and does. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's really great. It's that like you're just being like Jesus in the, in the world of sport, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like you said. So, yeah, that's really great. And um, when I was researching for this episode, I came across something that you have said regarding the vision for sports chaplaincy in the UK. And you said, where would Jesus be? And I really loved that. And you shared a commitment to being present in the margins of sport. So could you unpack this a bit more for us? Oh, uh, yeah. I, you see, chaplaincy on one level is, I think, it's quite pioneering. So many missional opportunities at the moment have closed doors, and yet, and we partner with loads of great people. So we've given out forty thousand New Testaments, branded New Testaments. So if we're in a club and we have permission of the club, sensitively we can give out. So it's public this one because he's been putting on his Facebook. Aston Villa mm-hmm. chaplain, I think he sent out two hundred Bibles to yeah. to fans because they've asked for him. Now I know we've done that across. X number of clubs, and so 40,000 Bibles, that's seed sown in my book. But when we talk about the margins, I really want to challenge the church to say, I I, I was privileged last year to go and, and journey. So you're a Paralympian. One of our trustees and ambassadors is Anne Fuller Strike, who's a Paralympian. And one of our uh, co-workers, Steve Jones, is always at a heart that the church should really be going to serve the margins. So sport for me is on the margins spiritually, but also when you look at sport, it's changed massively since you said you were inspired by the 2012, uh, yeah, 2012 yeah. Olympics, weren't you? So mm-hmm. for me, there a lot's changed in the last 10 years in both disability sport and women's sports, but I still think compared to male sports, they're on the margins. Mm-hmm. But we, I, so I would really want to challenge the church, say, where can you serve? Can you serve in, in your female sports clubs? Can you serve uh, in, in in sports, disability sports, disability athletics, and 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 for me, I had the privilege last year of going to IMAS International Mixed Ability Sport, which was their rugby tournament near Ireland, and it was quite a spiritual movement because it, it had people who are physically, intellectually, and able bodied, all playing on the same pitch, all doing it in a sensitive way, so people didn't feel like they were not use, useless, but felt valid and, and valued. And I was really moved by this because I was thinking this is what the church should be. And I wish more people had mm-hmm. seen it because sometimes the power of sport in that sense is a real re- revealer in that sense. So for me, the margins of sport is is to go. So we've just doing this, this mapping exercise and it's not perfect, but it hopefully will give churches and other sports ministries an opportunity to see one – there are about 700 sports chaplains at the moment and growing. But there are also, I think, 160,000 uh, sports clubs. So we've done a mapping ex- exercise of trying to find out where those clubs are, the facilities. So if you're in a church, you can go on the map and say, where are the clubs within half a mile? Mm-hmm. And, and it might not tell, pinpoint exactly, but it'll give you an idea of how big that community is within a short distance of your church. And, and my challenge to church is how many people are already engaged in sport? You know, you might be taking your kid to the football. So why don't you be intentional and pray for them? Why don't you send a youth worker and say, hey, 
can we do something on a special Sunday, National Sports Sunday? Can we bring you a bag of oranges? National Sports Sunday is 14th of May this in 2023. Uh, but that's something we want to promote across the church to look at the community of sport differently and to value it and to see that, hey, can, how can we respond differently? Because if we don't know what community thinks or feels like, all we're going to do is reject them. So if I tell a child, uh, choose God or sport, and they choose sport, inexplicably they think God's rejected them. It's not the case, mm-hmm. but that's how a child thinks. Yeah. So if if we tell kids, choose God or sport, you've chosen sport, and then are intentional with parents and kids to say, hey, and I know church has done this, fathers, take your sons to the football, but let's do something else on a different day or later on in the day so you can do something. You know, with COVID now, there's more online services. There's more online groups. So use that effectively to to be intentional on your spiritual journey with your children. Or even if you're playing, be intentional when you're going. You know, church isn't a building. Church is people. So when you go meet Christians, that's church. So when mm. you're praying and you're, you're being, and, you know, I've gone to places where people actively ask me to pray and actively ask me to do moments of remembrance and actively ask me to do moments of silence. They're, they're only little things, but they're massive moments because you can allow in that moment God to move and speak hope and life. And so for mm. me, that's about encouraging the church to stop pointing the finger and start holding out the hand mm. and stop saying come and start going. Uh, and only when you've gone have you got then the credibility to say come. Yeah, yeah, really, really great. Yeah, it's so true. And and it's true. We do need to do more in the area of sport. And I think that's why for me, you know, this podcast is part of, I guess, my heart. And like, it seems like there's a burden in me that's growing to see God move in para sport, in disability sport. So, Amen. you know, all that you're saying, yeah, like really resonates. I'm so excited because I know I, I really believe some amazing things are going to happen. But yeah, Amen. super excited. I, I know uh, Anne, Anne said this, and, and I love this is what Anne says. It's not just about us serving that community. Mm. serving sport or serving the para community it's about saying if you're a christian already in that community can you serve that community beyond Mm. your own so i know anson don't just expect to be served serve there's loads of people we we, i think this is the pastor in me but also i get passionate because i think sometimes am i communicating it effectively enough Mm. is someone capturing the heart of god but part of that is releasing people we're not called to sit in a pew Mm. we're called to go and build relationship and we're always going to drop the ball because we're all broken and we're all sinners. But the joy of God is he, he keeps forgiving us if we just ask for forgiveness and he keeps using us. And don't judge people, just use people in the sense of not in using, but release people to be all that they've got to be. Release people into, if someone's sat in a pew and they, they've got some great skill sets, then well, tell them, go, be effective yeah. in that community. Challenge them, challenge each other. Who have you been praying for? Who have you talked to? I'm not saying you've got to batter someone in the Bible and, but have you have you asked someone, you know, have you stood on the touchline? Have you been and you've noticed someone who's upset? How are you doing? Oh, I've lost my mum. Oh, do I wish I'd not asked that? No, I'm so sorry. I'll be thinking and praying for you this week. It, it, it's a little one percenters for me. If we can carry on each of us encouraging each other to do the one percenter, because sometimes when someone says I can do 110, percent I'm thinking, I can't do anything. I'm cream cracking, my head's gone, everything's goosed. But I can do one percent. It doesn't matter how tired I am. If someone says, can you give me 1%, I can give 1%. And my challenge to the church is sometimes, maybe we ask too much, but can you give 1%? Can you pray for that? Can you can you drop off a bag? Can you... That's just me. I'm getting a bit excited and start, start <laughs> preaching. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I mean, go ahead. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I was going to ask, I'm sure there's so many people who are listening and are thinking, oh my gosh, I think I could be a sports chaplain. So um, could you tell us how someone could actually become a sports chaplain? Of course I can. So for me, it's always about the local church serving the local community. So for us, if they go to sportschaplaincy.org.uk website, there is a tab called Become a Chaplain, and it simply goes through the vision. We have a code of practice that gives the boundaries and the framework that gives sports clubs and sports communities the confidence to engage with a chaplain. And so we we don't just get our foot in the door and then do what we want. It's about honouring those uh, that code of practice about honouring the, the the remit or the boundaries that a club puts in place. But you know what? Those boundaries change when you build trust. But if you try and do something on day one, it ain't happening. In, in five years' time, you'll be surprised. People just say, do what you want. We trust you. Do a carol service. Do this event. Do an alpha. Do, do a Christianity Explored. Why? Because you've earned the right. And so for me, if someone goes on that tab, uh, I don't try and – what what we 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 get references and stuff like that. So what what we don't try and do, we're not the church. We are part of the church, and we're I, I don't even like the word parachurch. We're here to equip the saints to do good works. So what we need is someone who's already gifted in pastoral. It, it, they don't have to be a pastor, but they, you you've got to be pastoral to be a chaplain. If you're not, you don't you can't just I want to serve at a sports club, but you you've got the skills of you know a brick wall you, you can't do it <laughs> but but my key things is you've got to be passed on you've got to be you've got to be spiritually alive as we put it in that sense so in that then and someone says i don't know what it looks like don't we'll 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 set you up it's not a 10-year training course we do three two-hour sessions that will say the do's and don'ts share a bit of vision a bit of safeguarding and really set you up for success we then connect you with other people that allow you to share good working practice and then we've got other cp training if you need it like mental health awareness bereavement awareness uh, addiction awareness so there's all that that we can help with and build you up but ultimately for me it's about saying if god's called you we'll equip you we'll send you out and we're here to support you it's not about you're here, let's do 15 years training, let's judge you, let's condemn you, and maybe at the end of it you might... Nah, for me, it's not about judging. It's about being in the hands and feet of the local church and we're just going to set you up for success the best way we can. Yeah, great, thank you. Yeah, so guys, if, as you've been listening, definitely go check out uh, the website and find out more about Sports Chaplaincy. And also, um, what advice and encouragement do you have for Christians in the sports and fitness world? Oh, I love Christians and I love the sport and fitness world. Uh, and I think part of that is just to encourage them to share their story in a, in a good sense, uh, to not isolate themselves, just because sometimes, especially at the elite, you're very focused. You've got to have an addictive personality to be at the elite, to break some of the barriers, to to go through there. So when we're talking, there's a whole array of when we talk about sport and functional fitness, where people are at on that. And it a lot of it's about commitment, but I, I would just encourage people when you go into your gym, don't just go and think it's all body. Go, go, go to where God's placed you and remember that you're a spiritual being and remember that God's called you. And if God's called you and placed you, maybe he's got a purpose for you in there beyond just getting fit, beyond getting a gold medal or a, a silver medal or beyond, there might be something that you, if you go in each day and just say, God, wherever you work, can I join in? If you make that simple commitment, you might just crack on and do your weights or do whatever. And then there might be just one moment where you have a, a moment where you, for me, when I God asked me to do chaplaincy, I thought, what's all that about? And the scripture came to mind, Paul plants, Apollo waters, but God makes grow. And for me, it's about sowing that seed. It's about watering that seed. I can't make it grow. God makes it grow. 
But what I can do is be obedient to God. What I can do is be sensitive. What I can do is challenge myself. You know, and, and even as a chaplain, I would go into it and sometimes walk through the door and then walk back out and sit in my car and pray because this ain't business as usual. Life is, is so precious. Life is so short at times. So part of it, I would encourage, you know, Christian athletes, Christian sports people, people engaged in the functional fitness, don't feel rejected by the church. We love you. There might just be a misunderstanding. Two, come up with some brighter ideas of how you can engage. Don't just say church is on Sunday and reject everything else that don't fit your schedule. Try and be a solution provider rather than a problem provider. Come up with some solutions. Tell a church or say, hey, there's someone on the internet that's great teaching that we can all do. Some great organizations out there who want to help people. And I, and I guess part of that is take a responsibility for your own discipleship, your own work with God. So I would encourage any athlete, you know, I struggled with reading. Uh, I've got a master's, but, I, you know, we all have our challenges. So I would always encourage people to pray have an attitude of gratitude. I would always encourage people to listen to your word. Faith comes by hearing. There's no excuse now. Everyone's got a smartphone. Put you version on or put glory, put something on a devotion so you're getting some good stuff into you. Primarily at the beginning of the game, but you might want to go sleeping on it as well because faith comes by hearing. The word of God washes over. So I, I would encourage people, don't forget that you are body, mind, and spirit. And it's great to be fit and it's great to be emotionally healthy. But if your spirit's not healthy, you know, it talks about the spirit of God bubbling forth from within. If your spirit's not healthy, you you might be physically healthy, but you will never be all that you can be because God's got more. God's got more for you. And so for, for me, I would encourage you, get into your word, get into your sport, look for solutions, look how you can help other people, provide mm-hmm. solutions. Maybe to young people who are, who are who starting that elite career or, or just starting a new, can you help them? Can you just a word of encouragement, a, a, a Maybe a prophetic word sometimes, if that's how you operate. But just speaking, in my in my experience in life, no one ever really gets upset when you speak a nice word over them. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I've never turned around to someone when I've had a text, an encouraging text, and said, I didn't need that today. Because mm-hmm. generally when I've had an encouraging text, it's merely because life's thrown some pretty smelly stuff at me and I need encouragement. And so I would always encourage people to be an encourager. You know, if you if you want it, be it. If you want love, give love. If you want time, give time. If you want, you know, so so some of these are the basic truths that we operate in. But that's what I would say. I I love people engaging in that community. Don't be don't operate in isolation. You've if you're coming to the, the the senior end of your career, what can you give? How can you give? How can you encourage the church to engage that community? Are you a are you a conduit to that community? What solutions can you come up with? What's God saying to you and how can you work with? Don't set up new stuff. It takes loads of time and energy. There's loads of great stuff out there. Work in collaboration, work in partnership, but work with like-minded people who love God, who want to see him operate in his love and compassion move across that community. Great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so much great encouragement and advice there. Thank you. And um, lastly, do you have anything else on your heart to share with us today? Oh, that's a little curveball. I think I've been getting carried away. Anyway, I think for me, you know, in life, life will always throw up disappointments. And certainly in sport, depending whenever you start to train, there'll be different levels of different uh, disappointments all your career. And that impacts you and it can impact your spirituality. And I would say, as you navigate that, life is always about it's it's not not having hard hits or not getting knocked down. It's about how we get back up. So I would always say a leader is not always the best person. He's not always the most intelligent person. The leader is generally the one 
a good leader I'm talking about is generally the one who will who will stand in front of people and take the hits. And even if they go down, he's willing to get back up. So I would say don't measure your success. Don't measure your identity by your success. Measure your identity. Well, your identity should be in Christ. So, and God sees you as precious and important and 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 in you know valuable and and he saw you knitting your mother's womb and and so that's what i would encourage any athlete or person in the sporting world disappointments will hit but how can you turn that 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 mess into a message how can you turn that test into a testimony how can you glorify god you know romans 8 28 talks about when we give our mess to him basically he, he can then get glorified because sometimes we can give him and so often we want to go give God our best, and I get that. But our best is in the scripture it talks about in Isaiah. Our best is still like filthy rags to God. Yes. So just, just, just keep your eyes focused on God. Keep your eyes, and and it's going back to those simple principles: having a heart of gratitude, praying, getting into your Word. I'm not talking for hours and hours, but some of this is easy stuff, and it feeds your spirit. And if you've stopped doing it, don't beat yourself up. Just get back on the bike and go again. But yeah, I think every athlete needs to speak an encouraging word. And if you can't speak an encouraging word to somebody each day, then we need to. And and sometimes you need to speak an encouraging word to yourself. And I'm not being narcissistic in that. You need to, scripture talks about it, it sounds about stirring yourself up. And so if you don't know what the promises of God are, get into your word and find out because God's got some awesome promises. And I believe the community of sport, when we talk about revival and when we talk about the nation being impacted. I believe sport is so intrinsic in that. And so, so many things are used in a negative way, are used and abused. And, and church has done that with sport. But my heart, I honestly believe, if we can be the hands of feet, and I, I sound like a record going on and on, but if we can be the hands of feet in that community, if we can mm. see change in that community, there'll be a ripple effect across our communities. The, 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 we will see change. And it's integrity and it's loads of other stuff. So yeah, that's my heart. Yeah. Keep pressing on, keep pursuing God, keep positive, but keep focused on Jesus and be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Warren. Yeah. So, so encouraging, so inspiring, so empowering as well. And I know I did say lastly, but <laughs> <laughs> but also just actually like lastly, just to finish off, um, could you pray us out and pray anything that's on your heart for the listeners or yeah, anything really, whatever. Yeah, whatever I was going to offer to do that. So you, oh, were, you were definitely in sync, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, yeah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you that you first loved us. And you know who's listening to this podcast. You know where they're at. They may be at the top of the mountain or they may be in the valley. But, Lord, I thank you that you go before us, that you walk alongside us and you are our rear guard. And right now, prophetically, I have to speak your grace and your mercy. Lord, That there might be a young athlete out there who's really struggling, and I just say, get into your word. Listen. Listen, put your headset on. At least listen to Scripture. Let it wash over you. Father, I, I, again, it's isolating. So I pray, Father, that you'll just align people who will hold young athletes' hands up, who will be saying, hey, I'm not judging you. I'm praying for you. Not for a win, but I'm praying that you will continue to be all that God's called you to be. And so, Father, right now, I just thank you for this podcast. I pray that you will move through the airways by the power of your Holy Spirit, hitting heart, mind, and spirit in that sense, that we will be drawn closer to you and then equipped to be all that you've called us to be. In your precious and wonderful name's sake, we ask this. Amen and amen.
Amen. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Uh, I know loads of people are going to be blessed by it. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to this episode. And I'm sure you're really inspired. And yeah, just be encouraged to just, you know, encourage others, be encouraged to encourage others, to encourage yourself and to know that, you know, you can represent Jesus and you're reflecting Jesus in your sport as well. So yeah, wonderful. I'll see you all soon on the next episode. Have a great day. Bye.